0: Welcome to NACE Clinical Highlights. I'm Dr. Greg Sherman, Chief Medical Officer at NACE. This is the first episode in a two-part series on managing residual risk in chronic kidney disease and the role of non-steroidal MRAs. Joining me is my friend and colleague, Dr. Robert Toto. Dr. Toto is the Mary M. Conroy Professor of Kidney Disease and Medical Director of the University Kidney and Liver Transplant Clinic at the UT Southwestern Department of Internal Medicine, and he's also associate dean of translational science at UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. So glad you could join me today, Bob. Glad to be here, Greg. Bob, in this first of two podcasts, we're going to review cardiovascular and CKD risk in patients with diabetes, and the data that supports some of our treatment options. And in our second podcast, we'll get more involved on in the role of nonsteroidal MRAs. Jumping into this first discussion, as our listeners understand. Cardiovascular and renal disease are really tightly linked, and one of the mechanisms contributing to both of these is overactivation of the mineralocorticoid receptor. Maybe you can start off this conversation by giving us an overview of CKD and the role of the mineralocorticoid receptor in patients with diabetes. Sure, you bet.
1: Diabetes is a major risk factor for cardiac and kidney disease, and this is all due to a number of factors, glycemia, hemodynamic arrangements, and something that's less well understood, and that is chronic inflammation, all of which contribute to cardiovascular and kidney disease in patients with diabetes. Now, there are a number of other mechanisms involved, but these are thought to be three of the major ones that are involved in both the onset as well as the progression of kidney disease. And with respect to kidney disease we know that adverse kidney outcomes can be estimated using the tools that we use every day in our clinic estimated gfr level of albuminuria which are key factors for not only for diagnosing chronic kidney disease but also for staging chronic kidney disease and finally for estimating the risk of people who have chronic kidney disease, for progression of kidney disease, as well as cardiovascular outcomes. And we know that decreasing GFR is associated with cardiovascular outcomes. And in particular, we know that albuminuria is a driver uh, and a, as well as a marker for underlying kidney disease. What's become clear in the last several years is that in kidney disease, there is an overproduction and overactivity of aldosterone. In fact, in kidney disease, there's an increase in production of aldosterone as well as other mediators, and this leads to older activation of the mineralocorticoid receptor, or sometimes we abbreviate MR. So, older activation of MR can actually drive kidney disease progression as well as cardiovascular disease and heart disease. Now, everybody knows that aldosterone binds to mineralocorticoid receptors because that's how it works on the kidney to promotes sodium reabsorption and potassium excretion. However, the mineralocorticoid receptor is not confined to the kidney. It's actually spread around the body, including in the cardiovascular system, where it can modulate hemodynamics. What clinicians may not be so well aware of is that the mineralocorticoid receptor is present on endothelial cells and smooth muscle cells, and overactivation of the mineralocorticoid receptor can induce inflammation and fibrosis of the kidney, the heart, and the vascular vasculature through its effects on endothelium and smooth muscle cells. And this mechanism here, Greg, just to go into a little bit of a detail, but not de- a lot, what happens when there's overactivation of the mineralocorticoid receptor in the kidney, the heart, the vascular system? What it does is it drives inflammation, which in turn drives fibrosis of these tissues. And this occurs because it activates a number of inflammatory cytokines, profibiotic proteins such as TNF alpha and so on. And I won't go into all those details, but the point being that overactivation of the mineralocorticoid receptor results in inflammation and in fibrosis. Fibrosis being scar. So you end up with a Scarred myocardium, scarred kidney that can lead to heart failure and to progressive kidney disease. So, I I think that, you know, what the new learnings are that that we're applying in clinical practice now focus on the fact that overactivation of the mineralocorticoid receptor results in inflammation, interstitial fibrosis in the kidney, cardiac fibrosis, vascular inflammation, and the consequences thereof, meaning. Our kidney failure, cardiac failure, and vascular injury. The
0: more we learn, the more we realize how much overactivation of this mineral corticoid receptor really is at the heart of much disease pathophysiology that we probably have not been clearly so aware of. This overactivation has really been a target of therapy for many patients with heart failure for many years. So, I thought I'd like to move to what tools do we currently have available? To inhibit MR signaling and interrupt these mechanisms that you've described above, and hopefully delay progression of fibrosis and disease progression.
1: That's a great question, and everybody in the audience who's been taking care of patients with cardiac, kidney disease, diabetes as well is very familiar with the older mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, such as spironolactone and eplerenone. We've used them for many years for blood pressure control. But they're also extremely important in patients with heart disease. So specifically, in patients with reduced ejection fraction, heart failure, mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists like spironol, lactone, and plurinone are part of the standard of care for those patients. And that's one of the pillars of management of patients with HEFREF, heart, heart failure reduced ejection fraction. And this is because both of those drugs, independently, have been shown to reduce morbidity and mortality in patients with reduced ejection fraction heart failure. Now, these two mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists are called steroidal mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists because they resemble the aldosterone, the structurally both in terms of the atoms that are in the molecule and in terms of the three-dimensional structure of the molecule. And so we know that these drugs have beneficial effects by reducing mineralocorticoid activation, which is why I mentioned in regard to heart failure, as well as blood pressure lowering. Now, the upside, there are some adverse effects that we know can occur with the steroidal MRAs and one of them is an increased risk for hyperkalemia because they inhibit potassium excretion by the kidney. Remember, aldosterone stimulates potassium excretion. So when we block it with the mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist, we decrease kidney s- excretion of potassium, which can lead to hyperkalemia. The steroidal are also, besides the hyperkalemia, can have other uh, side effects. I think probably the one of the most common ones that, that we see is gynecomastia. And that can be within in men or women who are taking these drugs. Now, on that background, there is now a new non-steroidal mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist, Greg, called finerenone, which I know you're familiar with. And finerenone mm-hmm. is non non-ster- meaning non-steroidal that Structurally, it doesn't look like a pleranone or spironolactone or aldosterone, and its three-dimensional structure is different, and it has much more selectivity for the mineralocorticoid receptor, so it's a more potent antagonist as compared to spironolactone or pleranone. Having said that, interestingly, phenarinone has been associated with reduced risk for hyperkalemia compared with Spiranolactone or Plarinone. thats an important distinction to note about this relatively new mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist. I think mm. the key thing that I want to mention here at this point is that finerenone has been approved by the FDA to reduce the risk for adverse kidney and cardiovascular outcomes in people with diabetes and chronic kidney disease, which we'll talk about a little later.
0: Thanks for laying that out. I know many of us are very familiar and comfortable with the older mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, spironolactone and aplerinone. But as we have this new agent, I think it's important to understand a little bit more about how it was studied, specific populations maybe, and what the clinical trial data might suggest to our colleagues who are considering implementing it. its impact on cardiorenal disease.
1: There have been two major, large-scale Randomized
0: double blind placebo controlled trials
1: with finerenone in patients with diabetic kidney disease. They go by acronyms. The first one is Fibaleo DKD, and DKD stands for diabetic kidney disease. And the second one is Figaro DKD. Now, both of these studies enrolled patients with type 2 diabetes and kidney disease. The kidney disease severity or stage was somewhat different between the two. Groups, But all of the enrolled subjects were on a maximally tolerated dose of an ACE inhibitor or an ARB. I think that's an important thing about both of these trials. And patients enrolled in the trial had to have a potassium of less than or equal to 4.8. And that's because although it produces less hyperkalemia, it's blocking the mineralocorticoid receptors. So it could cause hyperkalemia. So the investigators chose that as upper level for the trial. And they all had some degree of elevated urine albumin creatinine ratio at least greater than 30. And in the Fidelio study, it was much higher than that. Patients who had reduced ejection heart failure, though, were excluded from these trials. And there's a good reason for that. Going back to what I just mentioned a minute ago, mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists like spironolactone and a pleronote are part of a standard of care for reduced ejection fracture, heart failure, so they couldn't be included in a study where you're going to then have to add on another mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist. The, there was a total of around 13,500 or so patients taken together in both of these studies, but the Fidelio enrolled people who had predominantly stage 3 and 4 CKD, and in that study, the Fidelio study, finerenone significantly reduced the composite kidney endpoint of kidney failure, a sustained reduction in GFR of over 40% or kidney death by 18% compared to placebo. And this was highly significant. And the reductions were similar across a range of individual kidney endpoints as well, such as albuminuria, which we'll talk about more later. Finerenone also significantly reduced the secondary endpoint of cardiovascular death non-fatal stroke or non-fatal heart attack, and hospitalization for heart failure. And that composite endpoint was reduced by 14% compared to this placebo. And that was, of course, very significant. So the Figaro DKD, which was the sister study of the FIDELIO DKD, also, as I mentioned, also enrolled patients with diabetes, but with a wider range of estimated GFR than FIDELIO. And in the Figaro study, the primary outcome was a composite cardiovascular outcome. It was a composite of death from cardiovascular causes, and again, nonfatal MI, nonfatal stroke, or hospitalization for heart failure. And in the Figaro DKD study, remarkably similar finding compared to placebo, finerenone significantly reduced the incidence of this composite cardiovascular outcome by 13%. And in the Figaro DKD, which is like a, 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 as I said, sort of a sister, but also in a way a flip of the Fidelio, whereas Fidelio's primary outcome was kidney and secondary was cardiovascular, in Figaro, as I just said, the cardiovascular outcome was the primary outcome and there was a secondary kidney outcome. And Fenerinone also benefited the secondary kidney outcome in Figuro DKD. In these studies overall, finarenone, as I mentioned, which was striking to me, and I've been studying this problem for many years now, that is hyperkalemia with mineral corticoid receptor antagonists in people with kidney disease from diabetes. Finarenone was associated with really modest increases in serum potassium levels. So for example, in the Fidelio trial, the mean serum potassium level difference between fineridone and placebo for the course of the trial was 0.323 millimoles per liter. And that was pretty much consistent from the four-month time point in the trial, which lasted about two and a half years on average. Discontinuation of finarino due to hyperkalemia was also found to be uncommon in both of these trials. I, they really, it was remarkable that all of this could be uh, accomplished in this population. I think there was a lot of concern that hyperkalemia might fate the trial, but both of them were completed and both of them turned out to have significant impact on patients with diabetic kidney disease.
0: Bob, that sounds like some really great data for a a new therapeutic choice for our our colleagues to treat patients with diabetes and chronic kidney disease. I just want to put it in perspective of what else is out there, other new or emerging treatments for patients with diabetic kidney disease that our colleagues should be aware of as we're talking about this new non-steroidal agent as well.
1: Excellent point. The first and foremost, I have to say, is the SGLT2 inhibitors. There's a number of trials that we have now, large-scale trials in diabetic patient populations, for that matter as well, in non-diabetic populations that have clearly shown that these drugs slow progression of diabetic kidney disease, they reduce the likelihood of heart failure hospitalizations in the diabetic patients with kidney disease. And among diabetics with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, they also have shown significant benefit. So there's no doubt that the SGLT2 inhibitors are an important new, relatively new armamentarium, not specifically for lowering the blood sugar, but for reducing serious adverse events, meaning heart is heart failure, kidney failure, death due to cardiovascular complications. So this is really an important advance. Now, On the heels of the SGLT2 inhibitors, another therapy that's out there, and I know a lot of our audiences are using these therapies, are GLP-1 receptor agonists. And these drugs, everyone knows, has a remarkable effect on reducing weight amongst obese patients with diabetes. They're effective for lowering blood sugar. They've also been shown to reduce the risk of cardiovascular events in patients with diabetes. Some of the cardiovascular outcome trials with GLP-1 receptor agonists have had secondary kidney outcomes, primarily looking at albuminuria, and they showed benefit there. And as a consequence of that, GLP-1 receptor agonists are now being tested in studies that are with a primary renal outcome. I would just mention that in addition to the SJLT2s and the GLP-1RAs, There are additional non-steroidal mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists that are being tested in a number of different populations for potential benefit. And finally, there are a couple of studies looking at new aldosterone synthase inhibitors, and these are starting to advance from phase two to phase three trials now.
0: Bob, it's very exciting that there's so many options available to our patients and more on the way. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me and and share your expertise in chronic kidney disease and the associated underlying cardiovascular disease and risk of CKD progression in our patients with diabetes. This is some great information for our colleagues who can hopefully bring it back to their patients.
1: Thanks, Greg. I thank you for inviting me and I I hope this is helpful to our
0: colleagues in practice. I'm sure that it will be. If you're interested in learning more about how to incorporate nonsteroidal MRAs into the management of your patients, join us for the second part of my discussion with Dr. Toto titled Managing Residual Risk in Chronic Kidney Disease, the Role of Nonsteroidal MRAs. You can also go to the NACE website at naceonline.com and register for any of our other enduring activities on CKD or any other program we've developed. Please like us on Facebook at NACME and get access to other content and programs we share. I want to thank you for joining us for this podcast. I hope you've learned something new you can bring back to practice.